Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're going to jump into it tonight. Before I preach my message, I want to do what I call the Trinity training wheels with you guys. You guys good with that? Very, very quickly, I want to kind of set the foundation of what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're in a month talking about exclusively the Holy Spirit. And so that's going to be the focus of my message, the focus of ministry time. Yes, at the end, there will be ministry time. My anticipation, my hope, what I know is going to happen is that the Holy Spirit is going to be able to do his job effectively and efficiently tonight in your heart, if you're willing and you're ready for what he's going to do. Can I get an amen? amen? Beautiful. So some quick Trinity training wheels. Uh, all So Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all are equally omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, eternal, and unchanging, but each has his own unique function. The way that I'm going to explain it tonight is through the story of a plan. You and I right now are in the middle of the greatest work order that has ever been commissioned in the existence of ever. We are in the middle of the greatest mission, the greatest uh, thing to accomplish, the greatest thing that could be set out to do. And we're in the middle of it right this moment. And the way that I want to explain it is through the, the story or the analogy of a plan. We can think of it this way. God the Father is the one who creates the plan. He's the creator. He's the mastermind. He's the architect. That's his role. That's his job. Jesus Christ is the one who implements the plan, actually takes the plan and makes it happen, puts it into effect, causes it to begin, and he is the catalyst. The Holy Spirit administers the plan, which means he's responsible to oversee that the plan that the Father had, that Jesus implements, comes to pass. Make sense so far? Trinity training wheels. And this plan, this plan has been put into place since the beginning of the time. And let me divulge the, the nature of the plan. It's for you and I to spend eternity with God. It's for you and I to spend eternity in heaven in complete holiness, in complete peace, in complete uh, surrounding by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to do it together. I don't know about you, but I want to get to heaven and have my friends there, have my families there, and to look around and have that moment of like, wow, look who all is here. That person didn't make it. Oh, that's probably my wife's fault. Didn't pray for him. I know. And so the plan is that you and I would spend forever with God in eternity. But the moment this plan had to go into effect, the moment this work order had to be written was in the garden when Adam and Eve first encountered sin, first encountered the enemy of our soul. And so from that very moment, I don't know how like their board meetings work up in heaven, but I can imagine it was very well catered. Einstein's bagels, probably a breakfast meeting. Holy Spirit likes to wake up early for some reason. He's up super early. I, in my brain, uh, the Holy Spirit's kind of like fast talker, like, yeah, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. And so he's like, guys, 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 did you see what happened down there? And God's like, I know, I felt it, I saw it, I heard it. Jesus is like, what's going on? <laughs> Wakes up and God tells him, hey, down there, the creations that, that we've made, because in the beginning, the Bible says that they created us in their image. Did you know that? In fact, the beginning of the Bible says, if you guys want to nerd out with me, this is kind of cool. In the beginning of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, he's made all these things and the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. Do you know why he was hovering over the water? Because the water was reflecting his glory. And then in everything that they created, the earth, the birds, the fish, the game, everything that they created was a reflection of their glory. But there's a reason that they waited to save the very best for last. 
They created man, and the reason that they created man was because it was a reflection of their glory, but it was a place for eventually them to live and to dwell. Nerd out with me for a second. And so God has his plan, and he puts into effect, and I can imagine them sitting down there together, and this isn't what the Bible says. This is how my brain works, okay? We're, we're keeping it, you know, training wheels today. And I can imagine God says, okay, here's what needs to happen. We need to redeem them. We need to restore them. We need to save them. Who am I going to send? And I can imagine the Holy Spirit's like, oh, see, 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 see. He's excited. He's plumbed. He's like, I got the power. I know what to do. I'm you. You're me. We're each other. Like, send me down. And God's like, whoa, wait a second. So let me come up with my plan first, buddy. <laughs> comes up with the plan, the redemptive plan of sending his only son to the earth to live a perfect life, to be crucified, and to redeem the entire world. Those who would believe in him, their lives would be saved. And so he sends Jesus down. And I can imagine the Holy Spirit was a little bit bummed when Jesus got to go down and he didn't. He's like, dude, like, he's like, don't worry, you're going to get your chance. I'm going to send you down there. So Jesus goes down, lives a perfect life, fulfills all of the prophecies that are described in the Old Testament, uh, has the disciples, is preaching, is teaching, is healing people, and then he gets crucified. He gets caught. He's put to death. Three days, he's dead, and he goes down to hell. He defeats the devil. He takes the, the keys of life and death away, and the Holy Spirit is, like, cheering him on. But I have to imagine he's, like, biting at the bit to, like, go do something. He's like, hey, is it my turn yet? Jesus comes back and he starts to explain to the disciples, this is what the Bible says. Good. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm getting so excited. I've been excited to preach this message. And being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so Jesus reveals the plan to the disciples and says, hey, I'm not going to be here with you anymore. I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the throne next to my Father, but don't worry, I'm going to send the helper. And he's going to be the one who is responsible for seeing this plan that God has put into place that I've shown up to earth to implement. He's going to be the one that goes, with you. And you know what? It's actually better that he comes because I can only be in one place at one time, but the spirit, which I'm about to send you, I'm going to pour him out and he's going to bring gifts with him. He's going to bring power with him. And he's going to be able to influence, impact, and fill every Christian and believer. And so they get this whole plan together and the time comes for Jesus to be birthed and Jesus is birthed and killed and raised again. But the moment that the Holy Spirit is released, I can imagine it was something like this. God's like, okay, it's almost time. It's almost time. How do you want to show up down there? This is like, this is like your premiere. This is the first time they're going to see you, feel you. Like how, and I can imagine the Holy Spirit, oh, I don't know. Okay. I've had a, literally an eternity to think about this. Fire. I've been super into fire lately. I'll go down as fire. And that's how they'll know that I've shown up. That's my grand entrance. And I'm going to make them babble and speak in tongues. And God's like, you can do it. Go for it. <laughs> and so the book, of, the book of Acts reveals to us that the Holy Spirit comes and power fills the disciples. It fills the room. I'm going to talk a little bit about the end, but it is the mark that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Speaking in tongues, there's a, there's, a, there's a tangible way to understand and to know that the Holy Spirit is there. But tonight, I want to focus on the title of my message is called The Holy Spirit's Job Description. And before... Before he was sent down, I believe that God said, hey, there's some things, there's a work, some work orders that you need to fulfill. There's some things that I need you to be able to be so that when you go down, you're able to fulfill everything that you're meant to fulfill. By the way, the Holy Spirit is a person. Sometimes the personhood of the Father and the Son is appreciated, but not the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he's treated more like a force, similar to gravity. But the Holy Spirit is not an it, but a he. 
The fact that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force, also shows that he can do a few things. You want to hear a few things that he can do? He can speak. He can reason with you. He can think and understand. He can help will. He feels and can give personal fellowship. But as many of the married people in this room know, it is impossible to know everything about someone. When Marissa and I got married, I didn't know everything about her. I still don't know everything about her. I hear stories of folks who've been married for decades and they're still learning things about each other. They're still exploring their relationship. They're still, I didn't know that. I didn't know you used to. I didn't know that about you. And they're still exploring that. And so tonight I wanna put the precedent out is because the Holy Spirit is a person, it is impossible to know everything about him. It is impossible to understand all of the mysteries of who he is. It is impossible to understand the way that he operates, works, and moves. But here's what I believe tonight is that the Bible reveals to us some of the job descriptions of the Holy Holy Spirit. And through living the life of a Christian, of a believer, feeling and, and sensing and knowing his power, I believe that there's even been things revealed to me of who he is meant to be in our life. The description of the role of the job that he is meant to fulfill while he is here. Amen? Amen. For those wondering or unsure, tonight I want to be very clear that the Holy Spirit is still on active duty. He's still on the payroll. He's still on the clock. He didn't have a quota of how many people to fill and baptize and empower. Didn't fulfill the quota, show back up to heaven. He's like, cool, I'm all done. I've done my job. And God's like, what are you doing here? He's like, there's generations of believers to come and get your butt back down there. You need to go empower them. You need to go comfort them. You need to go reveal yourself to them. Just so that you and I are on the same page, the Holy Spirit's job is alive, active, and well for today, for the church today. Until Jesus come home and until that moment where we experience heaven for an eternity, the Holy Spirit has a job to fulfill. Can I get an amen? That's good theology. He didn't get fired. <laughs> he didn't sit down with the Father and Jesus and say, you know, we're just thinking of a different strategy here. We're just thinking about moving you to a different department. No, he is who he is and he has a job that he's meant to fulfill. Okay, if you're taking notes, which I encourage, if you were to have a note written down, the first thing would be the Holy Spirit's job is to be the lifter of your head and your encourager. I have a rule in my life that I try to implement. It's called the three-inch rule. And the three-inch rule is measured from my chin to my chest. And what can happen sometimes in the frustrations of life, the disappointments of life, the tension of life that can come at certain times, is as humans, it's so easy for us to be tempted to lower our head, to go into a place of negative thinking, to go to a place of like, is this ever going to change? Is it ever going to get better? Am I ever going to have to have release from the tension that I'm feeling, to the stress that I'm under, to the fear that I'm experiencing? And what I find oftentimes is the Holy Spirit is my encourager and the lifter of my head. And he's got a little bit of an attitude. He's like, hey, what are you doing? with your head hung down low like that. Your life is epic. You're filled with me. You have an incredible wife. You have an incredible church. There's nothing that should be keeping your head down. And so the three inch rule for me is that if my head gets closer than three inches, it's time for me to pick it up. It's time for me to, to remember that I have a life that is so epic and awesome. The life that I live is only because of the Jesus that I serve. It's only because of the anointing that I sit under in this house. It's only because my life is fully submitted to the person of Jesus Christ. And so in your life, when you feel discouraged, when you feel under the, the pressure of that, are you relying and going to the Holy Spirit and be like, hey, I need you to tell me that I'm awesome. 
I have a mentor in my life when things are not going as well as I want them to in business. I call him and I say, hey, I need you to tell me that I'm awesome. I need you to tell me that the things I've done before, I can do again and then some. I need you to remind me of all the things that you see in me. I need you to expose again the things that you think about me, the things that my wife thinks about me, the things that God thinks about me. Hello? The Holy Spirit's job is to encourage you and to be the lifter of your head when those moments come where you feel it hanging low. And so if you haven't experienced that tonight at the end, I'm gonna ask you that if you need to be encouraged, let the Holy Spirit do his job. It's what he's suited for. It's what he's gifted for. It's the skill that he has. It's what he's here to do. And he wants to do it more than you think that he can. The Bible says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send you. You can pray in tongues. I love this about encouraging uh, it's actually a tactic and a tool that I utilize. When I'm not feeling awesome, when I'm feeling discouraged, I'll invite the Holy Spirit in by praying in tongues because it's like all of a sudden what I'm trying to communicate to God, what I'm trying to get out of my mouth doesn't really matter because I'm letting the Holy Spirit inside of me take over. And I have to tell you, Every single time that I'm in that moment, I begin to speak in tongues. It's the true prayer of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And I feel tons better afterwards. How many people have experienced that? I'm telling you, it's a life hack. It's a Holy Spirit hack. Pray in tongues and the Holy Spirit will do what he does and will encourage you and be the lifter of your head. Amen? Amen. Peace. Peace will come to your house. Peace will come to your car. It will come to your situation. It will come to your circumstance. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit is wanting you to utilize him the way that he's been made. I'm meant to be your encourager. Will you let me in? The second point is this, is that the Holy Spirit is meant to be our great reminder. What has God already told me or showed me? The Bible says this, these things have been spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all of the things that I have said to you. I'm talking about all the promises that God has made to you. Maybe you were very, very young and God made a promise to you and, and life has gone on and time has gone on and you're wondering and curious about like, God, where, God, where is this promise? Where's the fruition of what you said? There's nothing more beautiful than the Holy Spirit coming in and reminding you. Does my word ever go out and not come back exactly the way I meant it to? Am I a man that I would lie, that I would promise you something, that I would give you the desires of your heart, that I would put hope inside of you just to neglect or reject you? It's a beautiful thing when the Holy Spirit shows up. Think about prophetic words. Who's got a prophetic word in this house? Someone has heard from God for you, prayed for you, said something. Listen, the Holy Spirit will remind you, hey, do you remember when you were called to ministry? Do you remember when the house was prophesied? Do you remember when the kid that you've been trying and trying and trying to have, that someone heard from God and said, it will be so, it will be so, it will be so. The Holy Spirit is meant to bring to your remembrance the things that God has already told you or shown you. I don't want to forget the things that he's already told me and shown me. I want to always be in the next level of hearing from him, the next level of doing what he needs me to, wants me to, desires for me, but I never want to neglect or reject what he's already told me. So the Holy Spirit's job is to bring it to your remembrance. How many times are you like trying to think of like where you left your car keys or the name of that song or the name of that person and you're like, Oh, it'll come to me, it'll come to me, it'll come to me. And then like a day later, like, it was Rebecca. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit do that for your spiritual life. Wow, wow. Holy Spirit, I need you to remind me of what you see, of what you know, of what you're sensing, of what God, 
Let him be the great reminder in your life. Things that you have read in the Bible. I love when I'm able to have conversations with people, especially in uh, the context of evangelism. I'm talking to someone who's yet to become a believer. It's like the Holy Spirit just like bringing scripture to my brain over and over about who Jesus is, what he did, what the word of God says about him, how potent and powerful it is. Come on, I wanna be in moments where I need the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what the word of God has already said, what I've already read, but I need him to bring revelation to my life. I am not satisfied just with reading this word. I need to have a download and a revelation and to not forget it. I want to remember the things that God has told me. Who else wants to remember the things that God has told them? Come on. All right. This is the one I really been looking forward to. The Holy Spirit's job description in it, it says that he is meant to be our keeper. And I want to propose to you tonight that Christians do not have a conscience. They have a Holy Spirit. There's a movie called Pinocchio that I haven't seen in many years, but I was reminded, Pinocchio asked Jiminy Cricket the question, what's a conscience? And he says, I'll tell you, a conscience is that small little voice that people don't listen to. And then he tells him later, and I think there's even a song, let your conscience be your guide. The moment that you become a Christian, your conscience, what the world is trying to to identify as a conscience, gets completely replaced with the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to help guide, direct, convict, yes, we're gonna talk about that, and show you the things that are damaging to you that he cannot live in that environment. Here's what's so crazy about the Holy Spirit. He only lived in an environment of perfect holiness. That's what he came from and that's what he knew, okay? That's, That's his M.O., And so the moment that you become a Christian, this is so cool. The moment that you become a Christian, God sees you through the filter of Jesus Christ. sees you as redeemed, sees you as sanctified, sees you as restored. And so in that moment, the Holy Spirit, when you become a Christian, by the way, you're gonna repent, you're gonna get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you're gonna confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life. In that moment, the Holy Spirit is able to enter you as a Holy Spirit-filled believer because in that exact instance, all of your being is clean, restored, sanctified, and redeemed. And so the Holy Spirit comes in in that moment, check this out. But because he's so used to and only accustomed to living in perfect holiness, so you leave, you pray the prayer, your life begins to transform and begins to change, but like it always, the habit of sin starts creeping back in. You start finding yourself drawn back to the old habits, thinking the old ways, all of those things. And that is the battle of of every single believer is can I endure? Can I walk out these things and listen to the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit, every time that you sin, is being grieved. People think, oh, it's shame, it's guilt, it's, it's all those things. No, you have a Holy Spirit inside of you who can only live in perfect holiness. And so his job is to illuminate, hey, that thing that you're doing, that thought that you're having, that sin that you're engaging in, because I can only live in perfect holiness, I gotta send up my red flag and say, hey, we need to deal with this. And so the Holy Spirit puts his thumb on what that thing is because he knows that if he's gonna live inside of you as the perfect vessel, this is what the Bible says, in here somewhere. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. When you send the Holy Spirit inside of you grieving, he has ever known holiness. He lived in that perfect atmosphere. His job is now to keep you in alignment with what caused him to dwell in you in the first place. His job is to bring you back with that moment when he first was able to come into your life. To, to confront the sin, to confront the thought, to confront the action, and to not feel condemned. The Bible says there's no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
A lot of Christians, they're afraid of the C word. They're afraid of the word conviction. I am grateful for the, the C word. I am grateful for, for conviction because it is the thermometer of my life. That's why the world can go and do whatever they do, murder, rape, sleep around, steal, lie, cheat. They can do all of that. And there's a part of them that feels grieved because they were meant to live a life of holiness. But the reason they can go do that is because they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them as their red flag waver saying, hey, my friend, listen, this is something that we need to deal with because I'm meant to live in perfect holiness. Amen? Amen. Here's the bummer about that though, and many Christians will experience this. He can be ignored. The Holy Spirit can be ignored. The question I would like to ask you tonight is where do you feel conviction in your life but are choosing to disregard it, to push it down, to ignore it? What are you pressing down that the Holy Spirit is alarming you to? You have to understand that the Holy Spirit's job is to make you the best version of yourself, the most pure version of yourself, the closest version of yourself to who Jesus Christ is and meant for you to be. And so oftentimes the sting of conviction can be misconstrued for shame, guilt, and like, oh, he's like trying to get me to do that thing again. He's trying to get me to adjust. He's trying to get me to live the right way. Absolutely he is because he knows what's best for you. The reason that he chose you in the first place is because you're a chosen holy vessel. Come on, I wanna live a life no matter how bad that sting of conviction is. When I hear him, I've gotta choose not to ignore him, but to respond to his, to his proddings, to respond to the, the flag that he's waving, to respond to the thing that I need to confront and overwhelm by his power in his presence. Amen? Ezekiel 36, 27 says this, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. I just have to tell you the truth. It is easier to obey God with the Holy Spirit inside of you. It is easier to do what he's asking you to do when you have the Holy Spirit there affirming when you do, appraising when you do, encouraging. It feels good to obey God. There, I said it, tweet it. It feels good to obey God because you and I were always meant to. In the same way that the Holy Spirit can be grieved when you're experiencing this side, can I tell you that he can experience joy when you're lining up with what God is requiring and asking of you? He gets excited when you do the right thing. And it feels good to make the right decision, to do the right thing, to actively say no to sin, amen? Is this making sense? Okay. Number four is that he is your empowerer. The Holy Spirit wants to give you the power to accomplish the mission of God in your life. And he wants to do this supernaturally. The Bible says this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. As Christians, as Holy Spirit-filled believers, we can tap into supernatural wisdom. We can tap into supernatural discernment. We can tap into supernatural stamina. Listen, I bought a house, went to summer camp, replanned all the conference and about to go into conference week. My body alone can't do that. I have a supernatural stamina that the Holy Spirit has given me to say, let's go, bring conference on. Pastor John, you want me to preach the Wednesday before? Let's do it. You want me to do it on Sunday? Let's do it. There's a supernatural stamina and endurance that the Holy Spirit can bring you to run farther and to carry things heavier than you were meant to. I'm telling you, it's real. I know for, for sure. He can give you supernatural strategy. I love that Pastor John, as we're looking at buying buildings and advancing our territories, God is giving him and our team supernatural strategy of how to have conversations, when to do this, how to do this, the timing of this. There's a wisdom and a supernatural ability that the Holy Spirit wants to empower you. It's part of his job. And if you're not utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit, you're just doing it yourself and that sucks. 
The greatest thing that a Christian can do is to get in a place of desperation for him. Not only do I not want to do it without you, I can't. I can't make decisions about what to do with my family. I can't make a decision about my business. I can't make a decision about where I live or move. I can't make a decision. There's a desperation that comes in. Can I tell you, it's pleasing to him when there's a reliance on him. The most foolish thing a human being can think is that they can do it by themselves. It's ridiculous. And why would you want to? When you have an all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing spirit inside of you, who, by the way, comes from an endless resource of power. He doesn't run out, doesn't get tired, doesn't get weak, doesn't get soft. Many Christians today are living their life without the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're wondering why they're doing the same thing that they were doing five years ago. Why there's been no breakthrough. Why there's been no change. Why when they pray, things don't happen. When they're laying hands on people, there's no healing. Listen, the Holy Spirit just doesn't show up whenever you... Don't whistle at him. He's a person. If I whistled at my wife, first of all, I'd come, come back with messed up arms and maybe no legs. And... But that is out of relationship. When I'm like, hey, baby, I need a coffee. I don't, hey, babe, bring me a coffee. Can you imagine? Boogers in it, like bleach in there. Like who knows what's being... <laughs> Okay, what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at... <laughs> is let's not be Christians who call on the Holy Spirit only in our deepest, dark times of need. How quick is it? Okay, Holy Spirit, like this time though, for real though, for real though, for real though, this time if you get me out of it, if you show up, if you get, okay, for real though, this, and he's like, bro, I see it all. I know it all. Whoa, good catch. Holy Spirit's already working over there. Are you okay? <laughs> Didn't mean to embarrass her. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring supernatural power into your life. And so the question I have for us tonight is, are you a conduit or are you a clog? The Holy Spirit, now this, I'm just going to preface this. This is not blasphemy, okay? So if you want to argue with me theologically later, I would love to. I think about the Holy Spirit like a husky. Huskies are meant to do work. And if they're not doing work, they get bored. And if they get bored, they start looking for other things to do. The Holy Spirit will find someone who wants to activate, who wants to use, who wants to, to be empowered. I don't want to be someone where the Holy Spirit says, well, I can't really be using you because you're not really letting me. I don't know about you, but I want to be supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. You guys sound like you get it. I love that. The fifth thing that you should write down is he's your friend. The best friends in my life are ones that I can allow to comfort me in times of distress and to celebrate with me in great times of victory and winning. But I wonder how many of us go to the Holy Spirit when we're feeling the stress, feeling the fear, feeling the anxiety. And there's three things that I would, I would encourage you to do. The first one is just say, Holy Spirit, show me. Like, what, what's going on that I can't see? What are you doing that I'm unaware of? What, what's, what's the tension that I'm not sensing or feeling? Because he is the great processor, if you'll let him be. I'm, I'm a very internal processor. When there's something going on, I'm like quiet, you know, for days maybe. And my wife knows eventually it's coming. We'll just be driving like randomly to dinner. I'm like, so when you said this, I was, and like all of it just comes out in like this, you know, throw up of, of talking, but I love my wife. She wants to talk about it then and there, ladies. Some verbal processors. 
If you're not utilizing the Holy Spirit as your friend and understand that he wants to be there to comfort you in your time of distress, you're missing out on the job description that God has given him for your life. There's a reason that he's there. Whenever I'm feeling tremendous amounts of stress, pressure, and anxiety, I go to the Holy Spirit, and this is literally what I do every single time. There's three stages to it. I say, this is what it seems like I'm feeling. It seems like I'm feeling stressed. It seems like I'm feeling afraid. It seems like there's some worry creeping in. It seems like there's, there's confusion instead of clarity. And I address, hey, this is what it seems like is going on inside of me because I'm proactively starting a conversation. And now he's going like, what, you're talking to me? And he comes to that moment. And then you can begin to ask the question, why is this how I'm feeling? Why am I feeling stressed? Why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling worried? Why am I feeling tired? Because as you're beginning this conversation, can I tell you that the Holy Spirit is one who responds. And the deeper the level of the the relationship, the quicker the response, the more potent the response, the the faster it's gonna come to you. I don't wanna be sending like the old old school emails to the Holy Spirit and waiting seven days to come back. Like I wanna like, let's talk about it right this second. But that comes with building that relationship. So this is how I'm feeling. Why is this how I'm feeling? This is the most powerful question is, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Because what I'm doing is I'm inviting his power, his skills, his abilities, who he is into the situation and not pretending like I can figure it out on my own. Because if I could, I wouldn't be there in the first place. So the Holy Spirit loves to be included as your friend. He loves to be your partner. He loves to be the one that's there that you can process with what's going on in your life. Amen? Amen. Okay, number six is the revealer. The Holy Spirit's job description is to be the revealer, to highlight and illuminate what God is saying to you in his word through someone or directly to you. The Bible says this, but as it is written, eyes has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him, excuse me. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been given freely to us by God. His job is to be the great revealer. His job is to illuminate things, to highlight things. I got to tell you, the thought of reading the Bible without the Holy Spirit is terrifying. It's, it's, it's boring, it's dull, it can be dry. And I, listen, no, I love the word of God, but just hear what I'm saying. When you invite the Holy Spirit in with you and you're reading things, it's like you hear, you hear about people reading, you're like, things were jumping off the pages at me. And it was like, exactly the thing. And like, you've, you've heard the kid at summer camp was like, yeah, Pastor Sterling, I just scrolled and I stopped and I read. It was like exactly what I needed to hear. It was like, it was like God was talking to me. I'm like, welcome. There's a next layer of revelation that comes when you have the Holy Spirit and you let him reveal things to you. The Bible says to meditate on his word day and night, to write what it says on the tablets of your heart, to speak them with your mouth, to know them, to understand them, to love what this word says. But can I tell you that it goes next level when you stop trying to do it by yourself, when you invite him in to reveal, highlight, and illuminate what God is saying to you through his word or through someone. My prayer for you this conference and even for tonight is that you would let the Holy Spirit use every guest speaker, every pastor, every person praying, every person on worship, that God is trying to get a message to you. He wants to reveal himself to you. It's his job. 
He's meant to reveal who God is, who Jesus is, who he is, the power that's there, the healing that's there, the love that's there, the peace that's there. It's his job. And nobody does it better than him. Nobody does it quite like him. The reason it's difficult to read your Bible without the Holy Spirit is because you may not be in tune with what he's trying to reveal to you, the revelations of God and their meanings. I encourage you as you read the word of God, as you listen to podcasts, as you sit in church services, as you're playing worship music, just invite the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what it is, what you're trying to say, what you're trying to show me, what it is you need me to catch and see and hear and know. Because there's, a, there's such a layer of power when you invite him into that conversation. There's such a layer of power. The last thing is that the Holy Spirit's job is to be the proof. The Holy Spirit is the mark of one who has fully surrendered their life to Christ. The Bible in Acts 2, and I'm gonna paraphrase, Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, says there's gonna be power and it's gonna come, it's gonna find you. And when it rests on you, when it finds you, it's gonna empower you in such a way that you're gonna take the message, you're gonna take who I am, what it is, who he is, and you're gonna take it to the ends of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit finally got to have his moment, finally got to have his day, and he shows up as fire. The Bible says that it rests on them and they begin to speak in tongues. And out of the outflow of them speaking in tongues was the mark that the Holy Spirit had come. It's the first sign that he was there. It floods out into the street and the people in the street are hearing them speak in tongues and they're bewildered, they're curious, they're questioning, they're like, this is weird. But they have this moment of, okay, they're speaking a language that I speak. And so Peter brilliantly begins to preach. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accorded by God, accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. So all the people had been hearing stories about who Jesus was. They had heard about the leper who was healed. They had heard about the blind man seeing. They had heard about the lame man walking. They had heard stories of who Jesus was. He had, he had, he had a influence in that region of what he had been doing, accredited by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He's calling them out. You know Jesus was who he says he was. This man was then handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. God knew that this was gonna happen. Remember, it was a part of his plan. He knew that Jesus would go to the cross. He knew that he would be betrayed. He knew that he would die. He knew all of those things. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Then he talks about some Old Testament stuff. And then in verse 36, it says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They had just gotten preached for the first time, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came, that he lived a life that was perfect, that he was betrayed, that he was murdered, that he rose from the dead. And so they hear the gospel, they hear the salvation message and the Bible says that they were cut to the heart and they begin to ask, what do we do with what we just heard? Because every human is meant to hear the message of God, but they're to know the message of God. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom call, for all whom the Lord our God will call. He preaches 
the gospel. They ask, what do we do with what you've just told us about who this Jesus person was? He says, you're gonna repent. You're gonna confess that you are a sinner. You're gonna confess that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said that he did. You saw it with your own eyes. And when you do that, when you repent and when you confess and when you believe, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now remember, this is the first time that they had seen and heard the people that had been baptized by the Holy Spirit. I can imagine they're like, yo, I want some of that. I don't know what it is quite yet, but I'm excited to get it. I would love if everyone stood up to their feet this evening. Remember the plan all along was to have perfect relationship with you and God, spend eternity with him forever. And so the plan that was put into effect, the plan that was put into play for Jesus to come to the earth, to fulfill his mission, for the Holy Spirit to come and empower you, to be with you, to be your comforter, your helper, your revealer. All of this in a moment is accessible to you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I wanna give you an opportunity tonight to repent and to be baptized and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the proof. It's the proof. The Bible calls it a great assurance of your salvation. And listen, there's, you, you, can, you can argue theology, you can argue the Bible, you can argue texts and scripts, but you cannot talk me out of my personal experience with him. The way it feels when the peace of God comes. The brilliance of him bringing revelation to something you could have never thought of of yourself. The power when you pray for someone, Pastor John, right? When you pray for someone, you can feel that power. And so tonight for the very first time, if you wanna become a Christian, if you wanna have access to have the Holy Spirit live inside of you, listen, he's in heaven right now begging for God to send him down to you so that he can do his job. It's a beautiful job. The Bible says this, that if you believe in Jesus as the savior, if you confess it with your mouth, that you will be saved. And so tonight I wanna make it very simple for you and I'm gonna open up the altar for ministry time. I'm gonna lead you in that as well. But tonight for the very first time, if you wanna make the confession that Jesus is who he says he is, that the plan that God put in place to redeem you, to restore you, to give access to him, that you believe that it's true, that it was for you, then all you have to do is what the Bible says is believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. So right now in all these seats and all these stands, I don't know if people are watching online, I think they are. Only you can decide and determine and decipher if you're believing or not. No one else can gauge that for you. But listen, when you confess it with your mouth, the Holy Spirit's gonna fill you and that's the proof, that's the receipt, that's the signature, that's the mark of a life fully surrendered to Jesus. If that's you in this room, you wanna become a Christian, be filled with the Holy Spirit, have your whole life changed, just want you to raise your hand right now. Yeah, super awesome. Yes, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, listen, he just wants to live with you. Yeah, so cool. Listen, he loves you, he just wants you to love him. He already knows you. The Bible says that he knows every hair on your head, every thought that you've had, every action that you've done. He knows you. He just wants you to know him. Come on, tonight some beautiful transactions are gonna occur. With every, every head bowed, those of you especially who are raising your hands right now, we're gonna pray together. This is a beautiful moment, beautiful moment. You're gonna repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I confess that I was a sinner, but I acknowledge that you've saved me. The Bible says 
if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are Lord, that I will be saved. And so today, I make that declaration and I willingly accept the Holy Spirit to fill my life, to dwell with me, to abide in me, to teach me and to show me how to live my life in a way that pleases you. From this day forward, heaven is my home. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. And the Holy Spirit is my helper. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let's go. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.